thank you, worship team, for leading us always into the presence of the Lord in worship. Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone online. It's great to see you, and good evening and good night, whoever and whatever you're watching. All right. I think I heard that in a movie once. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, I want you all to know that there's some things happening here that before I speak, I want to make mention of real quick. Like next Sunday is our annual church conference. We didn't have one last year because of COVID, but we will this year. And it's at five o'clock for all members. It's also available online, but you'll have to uh, request that through our website to do that. We have a brand new search engine on our website, so if you're looking for stuff, some people text me like, I can't find the baptism, I can't find the baby dedication, I can't find membership. You can go on that page, just do the search and look for what you're looking for, and that'll help you out a little bit, okay? You can also download our app, which gives you pushes notifications of what's happening, when, and all that kind of stuff, so please do those things. There's a table right there. We're collecting summer uh, needs for the homeless. That'll be passed out on, on June the 12th. And so if you want to be a part of that, that's available through the app, the announcements, the bulletin, all that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, just to remind you of all those things. Also, there's some classes that we have online as well as in person, and we're starting a new one next Sunday, um, and that, that will be Life Recovery, and it'll be taking place in the uh, Glass Chapel uh, at 1045, just so you're aware of what's happening when. So yes, that is right between our two services, and it's going to go from 1045 to 1130. And uh, so just be aware of that. You can speak with Rainbow. She'll be leading that uh, class for us as well. Now then, before I uh, begin on my message, I did want to thank the Lord for our military people who are serving currently, those who have served. Yeah. In memorial, on Memorial Weekend, we remember those who have given their lives. I understand that. But you know that uh, the serving, the past service, those who have served in war, those who have served in peace times of various things that have happened, and families that have been forever changed by those who have given their lives, those who have suffering. We have many people at work at the VA here in our congregation, and we're so grateful for those who serve our veterans as well. I want you to know that we need to pray for them and the struggles that many of them have in, in the fact that so many have committed suicide. Um, I believe the number today of Vietnam vets um, that have committed suicide after the war is higher than those who died in the war. If my calculations are correct in my uh, research and reading. And church, that's a terrible thing. And war is a horrible thing. And we need to pray for them and for God to heal the hearts and to understand that there's forgiveness and healing in Christ. The same thing's happening with our nation and our youth and our kids today during this time that we've closed down. Now, I don't want to, this is not political at all, so please don't, this, this shutdown thing has wreaked havoc on our nation and way beyond an economy. I mean, the economy is what it is. It'll collapse. It's going to. It always does. It falls. It rises. It does that stuff. But the impact upon humanity and relationships and the issues of development for our kids is going to be something that we will be dealing with for years to come and suicide and addiction is up and we need to be praying about these things because jesus is the answer so here's the thing church we've been asking god to move in our nation call us back calling city of tucson to him and to repent god works through things he doesn't cause things all the time he does cause some things that aren't good but he will always work through them. 
And so we're asking God to move through this time of difficulty and crisis and the situations in lives so that people will recognize they can't depend on themselves, they can't depend upon a government, they can't depend upon a bank account, they have to depend upon God. When we become self-sufficient, we lose the perspective of who God is. We do. And church, we've lost it in our nation as a whole. There's this amazing thing that took place in God's word. I I pray that God will reveal who he is to us today in a new and profound way. No one had a relationship with God like Moses did. No one. So Moses, it says, spoke with God face to face like a man. Now he didn't see God's face. God was in the presence of the cloud. But he heard God speak with an audible voice. Not many people do. Not many people have. And we need to be careful about those who say they have. I'm serious. I've heard some self-proclaimed prophets in recent days making proclamations about our nation that have already been proven false. And God says in the Old Testament, He says, take them out and kill them. I mean, He's serious about it. Today, we just kind of look over it and say, oh, well, they missed that one or whatever's going on, but they're still a prophet. No, they're not. God's Word declares very clearly that a prophet's Word is truth or it's not. So be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you put stock in. And please understand this, church. Jesus Christ did not say die to save the United States of America. He died to save lost humanity. And we can't get that screwed up. We're not getting political. We're getting spiritual. We don't want to mix those two. Okay, seriously. We don't. Moses, having this conversation with God, God, Moses was an amazing dude. I'm telling you right now, he's an amazing, humble guy. And he's talking with God and he says, God, you know, you've called me to lead your people. This is in the midst of their exodus and stuff. And he's up on the mountain and he says, let me see you. And God says to Moses, you can't see me. If you see my face, you'll die. Just think about that. God's saying like, if you even get a glimpse of me, you're going to die. That's how holy and righteous God is. And so Moses is like, you know, having this conversation with God. And God says, you know what, Moses, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to have you stand right over there and hide in that rock right there. I'm going to put my hand over you and I'm going to walk by and I'm going to declare my name to you. And when I do, I'll remove my hand and you can see my backside. That's what God said to him. And so you know what happened? God did that. And something happened to Moses. Something amazing happened to him that he didn't even realize until he came down to the people. And everybody was running away from him, freaked out, because his face was glowing like the sun. The glory of God was so powerful that it changed his very countenance. He was glowing like the sun. And so the people freaked out thinking they were looking at a spirit of some kind and it was Moses. So Moses put his a veil over his face so like, you know, all we've been wearing veils for a while now. So the people would listen and not be scared. And he would wear that face mask when he came to the people to talk. But the word of God says this, when he went into the tabernacle to meet with God, he would take it off. See that exposure, that personalness. Today I want you to know that God wants you to remove your mask. He wants you to come clean into His presence. 
to see him for who he is and for him to see us for who we are, understanding that he is God. Last Sunday, as we celebrated Passover, I mean Pentecost, that Pentecost presence of God was the promise that God gave to us that the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus as he told us he would. He said, I'm going to the Father, but I will not leave you alone. I will send the advocate, the promise of the Father to dwell in the hearts of the believers, right? We went through all of that. Listen, church, this is an amazing thing that God wants us to see and experience today. In this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it makes all the difference between a religious life and a living relationship with God. Anything that does not have the Holy Spirit within is nothing more than a religious life. And it does not accomplish anything, nor does it bring life, nor does it rightly make us right with God. The only way to have a relationship with God is to have God dwelling within. For it was God who created us for relationship, in relationship, through His love and breath. There's a reason that God's Word says there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. The breath of God came rushing forth to the believers to restore that breath within us so that we might have the presence of God in us and experience what a real relationship is and was meant to be. The Old Testament was religious ritual life. Yes, God instructed it. Don't misunderstand me. God is very organized and He is the the, the creator of religion. So don't Tell people you don't like organized religion, okay? Don't. Because God's the organizer of true religion. Yep. Humanity always screws everything up. God does, no doubt about that. But God created it and He made it organized and perfect as He set things in order for what He desired for us, which was that relationship. So through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the way was made for God to fulfill his religious, ritualistic relationship with us. I hope that makes sense to you. Absence of the Spirit is nothing more than religious activity. Presence of the Spirit is relationship in ritual. There's a big difference. Now, as we travel through this and that visit that we referenced about Moses on the mountain in his face shining in the veil, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Christian church, uses that as an illustration. And in that teaching that we look at in 2 Corinthians, he is teaching us what the new life in Christ and what the Christian church experiences through what the Holy Spirit does in our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Now, he's referencing something there. He's saying we have a new relationship with God that allows us to be bold in His presence. Listen to it now. It's so awesome. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. See, the only way to have that relationship with God, that unveiled, real, bold relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. 
when we try and bring the Old Testament law or any kind of our own created religious activity, it's a veil. It's not real. Listen to what it goes on to say. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. See, there's this new exposure This new understanding of who God is in my life, a renewed person within me, I have found myself in Christ, and now I have this relationship. That's why Jesus said you'll be born again of the water and the Spirit. This transformation of who you are now changes, and you begin a new life. I don't care how old you are. When you come to that understanding, and the veil is removed, and Jesus Christ is your Lord, you're made new and you start over. Thank you, God. Man, thank you, God. I'm so glad for the start over of God. Okay, no longer is an empty religious practice, right? Trying to appease God by what we do for Him. That's what religion is, you know, when it's just religious activity. It's us trying to appease God and and allow Him to have a relationship with us through our actions. It doesn't work. That's why God says this. The only way to have that relationship is for God Himself to come and create once again that miraculous relationship with Himself. We continue reading right where we left off. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Yeah, isn't that awesome? No bondage, there's freedom. So... All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Man, do you really need me to explain that to you? Pretty straight up, isn't it? You know, when we talk about, I read the Bible, I can't understand what it's saying. I mean, that's pretty straight up, man. He says, God does something inside of you. The Holy Spirit comes. He is transforming who you are and changing you. He is changing us to be more like Him. Remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about the bullseye? There's Christ, the mark. Sin is the gap. God is leading us to Christ's likeness. It's right there. The Spirit makes us more and more like Him. Not my religious activity, Not by how often I show up at church, how often I pray or read. All those things are important. But we can't change by what we do. We change by the power of the Spirit doing in us what God Himself is calling us to respond to. Remember when Jesus said He's coming into the world to convict us of sin and of the righteousness of God? See, the Holy Spirit is leading us to Christ's likeness more and more into His glorious image. So the stuff that's in our life that does not look at the center, which is Christ's likeness, you know, you and I, that ugly stuff of us, the Holy Spirit is saying, uh, this needs to change in who you are. This needs to be removed. This needs to be repented of. This needs to be forsaken. You need to stop doing that. You need to start doing this. The Holy Spirit is transforming us. He's calling us into Christ's likeness. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Embrace Him. Church, we're scared of God sometimes. And God loves us. He's calling us. He's pursuing us. He wants a relationship with us. And we're kind of trying to make Him happy with us. 
I want you to know He loves you. You can't make Him happy. (laughs) You just serve Him. There's freedom. Man, church, there's freedom in this relationship with God. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I was bound in religious activity even when I first got saved. And I began to be set free by God from what I thought was my relationship with Him. From what I thought He wanted from me. What I thought He and who I thought He was. And what He expected of me. And so for even the the several years... Look, I'm still learning. Don't misunderstand me. But in in the early stages, because I had been taught who God was and what He wanted, I did what I thought was right. And that stuff led me into bondage. Religious bondage. See, what God wants from us is a relationship. And so in a relationship that is based in love... There is great freedom. We don't have to worry about what's going on. Like, I can give you a real simple illustration of this. My wife, uh, she used to, well, she still does cut hair, but she was, uh, she managed a salon and all that stuff, you know. And she's an attractive lady, and, and, you know, so she's cutting guys' hairs and stuff like this, right? So I'm like, early on, I didn't like it. I don't like it. I'm like, I don't like you touching them. I don't like them talking to you. I don't like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just being real. I'm being honest with you. I didn't like it, you know? Um, and, and so it was like, I was coming to the Lord, like, you know, what is this? What is this that's going on inside of me and what's happening? Why is it that I struggle with that, that I feel insecure in that relationship that I would be worried about them? I wasn't worried about her. I don't like them. <laughs> okay so in that process then it was Dave do you trust her in that situation of course I do then what are you doing well Lord I don't trust them do you trust her yes I do but I don't trust them do you trust her then don't you think she knows how to handle them Right? Okay, so this is what I'm saying, church. As I understood that, then I was like, oh, there's freedom in this relationship. I don't worry about my wife. Am I her protector? Absolutely, of course. Yes, but see, in that relationship, I trust her. So in God's relationship with us, see, there's this amazing freedom that is between us. Does God trust the world? No. He knows what sin is. He knows what sin does. He knows how deceiving and deceptive it is and how it can try and pull us away. But He loves us. And He creates this relationship of love for us, with us, so that we begin to live in the freedom of what that relationship means and the world does not affect us. The world's going to be the world. Sin is sin. Stuff is always going to be going on. But this relationship right here stands true because there is this freedom that is in that love relationship with God that He's affirmed through the Holy Spirit in our life. So in that whole other thing, see, that jealousy, that insecurity, that problem creates issues in the relationship. I mean, I can be real honest with you and tell you that for a while, I would say, you know, hey... um, how was your day? But I wasn't asking how her day was. 
I was saying, how was your day? How many clients did you have? How were your conversations? I wanted to know if they were having not good conversations with my wife. That's all I wanted to know. Could have just cut to the chase and said, hey, is anybody trying to hit on you today? (laughs) But we want to cloak it in something else. You know what I mean? So I'm telling you, like, as I look at my relationship with God, what I perceived from him was a God who was like always asking me what I was doing, who I was talking to. This insecure God who was trying to make me live according to, you know, this, this boundary of religious practice. I hope that makes sense to you. Because when God was inviting me into this relationship, he's like, Dave, man, oh, I want to help you. You are messed up. Seriously, you have no idea who I am. That is not who I am. That's not how I am. I want you to experience the freedom. Do you know that Jesus said that he came to bring us abundant life? Not in the hereafter, right here, church, an abundant life. That doesn't mean like stuff. You can have stuff and that's great, but stuff passes. It's about the life of freedom that he came to bring to us. Relationship through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit the indwelling freedom that that brings is amazing. And in that freedom, see, there is power. The enemy doesn't want you to experience that freedom because in that freedom, in the Spirit, there's God's power. My, my conviction is, I, I really believe that our uh, Christian church of today does not see the power of God because we don't have the intimacy in the relationship with God. We're still trying to appease Him somehow instead of being with Him in relationship and allowing the Holy Spirit's power and presence to be in us. See, we're more and more like Him as we surrender. Church, I keep saying this to you, but I have absolutely discovered that truth in my life that it is all about my surrender, trust, and obedience to Him. God is constantly leading me to places where I have to just surrender and trust Him and then do what He says. And, and it's, that's how I am being transformed more and more like Him. <laughs> All right, so we're reflecting His glory. So the Word of God says, so that we might reflect His glory. Remember how Moses' face shone because of the presence of God? Church, He lives in us. <laughs> That way, the light of the world, that's what Jesus called us. So that as people see Christians, they need to see radiance of the glory of God. They should see that in us. Because we're reflecting His glory. It is God in us shining forth to the world. The veil has been removed. The truth of who God is is now seen in me and through me. Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. We could end there and just like, oh yeah, that's the war I'm in. But it doesn't stop there. It says this, but when you are directed by the Spirit, 
You are not under obligation to know Moses. When you follow desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is not a um, fully enclosed um, description of sin. It's just he's mentioning things here. You ready for this? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So he's saying like when you follow your flesh, that's where you live. Listen to this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the emphasis that we are seeing in Scripture here is who we used to be and how we used to live, right? Y'all know you used to live like that, right? Used to, right? Yeah. So see, it's not only a, a message that says this is how you used to live, but it's also a warning to those who are still living this way. He tells us right here, you're not going to heaven. Don't, don't, don't kid yourself. This holy God who is so holy that Moses couldn't look at him or he'd die is the God that we're going to face. And God doesn't mess around. Not okay with us just going and doing our thing. The Word of God says something to us. See, there's this contrast from the life we used to live to who we are now in the new life. And that contrast is outlined right here in Scripture when it tells us those are the things you used to do. This is the life of sin that won't get into heaven. And then it continues, and we've read this multiple times through the years here, and here we go again. Verse 22, we're going to continue that reading. But... These are good buts. These are God's buts. He's contrasting something. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what God produces in us. The sinful nature produces that other stuff. The brokenness, the bondage, the, the emptiness. But God brings life. That's what he brings. God brings life. And in that life, he brings this fruit. And this fruit is what the world sees and knows there's something radiating from our life that is not human, not natural, not normal. It's God. That's what he tells us. Church, it's important for us to understand that God's word teaches us about the Holy Spirit in our lives doing something specific. In that earlier reading, we were made, being made more and more like Him. The Holy Spirit is, is making us more and more like Him. The Holy Spirit is making us aware of what is not like Him. Transformational growth. Maturity in Christ. And that happens through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Now we look in this section of Scripture and it says that the Holy Spirit produces this. So, um, you know, we should, we should study the fruit of the Spirit and all that stuff. It's great, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the thing is, is a lot of people, like, look at that list and, like, oh, I'm working on that one. I'm working on that one. No, you're not. 
You're not working on anything. The Holy Spirit does this in us. What God's working on is you. All right? So if you think you're going to make produce those things in yourself, you can't. It is completely impossible for us as human beings produce the fruit of the Spirit. We can't. The only way these things can happen in us is because God lives in us. Church, and He is doing that work, making us more and more like Christ. So when I look at that, oh, I'm going to read that list again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Well, you know, I'm, I'm um, let me think, what am I? I'm kind most of the time. Uh, I'm faithful. I'm pretty gentle. I have great self-control when I want to. No, I mean, you know, like we can look at that list and we can, you know, quantify how we score. And we can emphasize what part we're good at. I want you to know you suck at all of it. We all do. We don't have this. God does this. And so God is working in us. The Holy Spirit's producing this kind of fruit in our lives. These are some of the evidences that God lives in us. Because the people I worked with five years ago look at me and say, you're different. You've changed. Why? Because God is changing us more and more like Him. You used to get aggravated like that. Now you're like patient. How is that? And then you're like, I'm not patient. No, you are more patient because now you're more like Him. Used to have no self-control. Now I have some self-control. That's because God is working on us, transforming us. Okay, so let's let God do His work in us through our surrender to Him. You can work on any of that stuff you want to. It's just not going to work. I'm just telling you. It's about what God is saying and doing in our life. You know, I hear people say all the time, uh, don't pray for patience. You know, it, you know, you can pray for it. You can pray for it, against it. I don't care. God's going to create opportunities for you to learn patience. Whether you pray for it, ask for it or not. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in us and He's teaching us to become more like Him. So you're going to deal with patience whether you pray for it or not. Really. And you're going to deal with self-control too. And the less you manifest that, the more opportunities you'll get. <laughs> That's what he's doing, church. See, it's important to understand the things that God's Word teaches us about the Holy Spirit in our lives. Again, I'm going to just briefly say this to us because I don't want us to get off there. The things we highlighted or mentioned last Sunday by Justin talking about, you know, tongues and miracles and I'm over here saying that's not right. He's over, you know, in our, in our upbringing. Here's what I want us to say is that the day that was celebrated when God came to us has been so dissected by the church that we're trying to emphasize certain aspects of it that the whole purpose of it was God living in us. Then we might have the power of God in our lives that was absent because of sin. Okay, 
Forget all the other stuff. I mean, seriously, I'm not saying ignore God's word. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's stop looking at the fringes of the experiences and start looking at the source of all things and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Because look, I want you to know, hear me right, because you can speak in a tongue, but you don't have love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control means nothing. Don't forget God's word says that too. First Corinthians 13. Talk about love, right? Well, if you look in that whole section, he's saying it doesn't matter what you can, you can talk with angels languages means nothing if you don't have love. Right? So stop looking at the fringes and start looking inside and saying, Holy Spirit, produce in me this righteousness of God that only comes from you. God, do that. And then if God wants to give you gifts, which he gives, we don't get. Read the Bible. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. And the purpose of those gifts is to edify the church, not glorify anybody except Jesus. It just drives me crazy, man, when I see all this stuff going on. And I know it drives God crazy. He doesn't like it. When there's shows of people manifesting their gifts. He's not okay with that. That is not biblical. Church, let's be real. Let's look at who God is and what He says to us. It's not about that person. It's about Him. And when it becomes about the person, God's not in that. God, help us. Forgive your church, man. What a mess we made of your good stuff. We've chased people away from God by our trying to look religious. In the earlier reading in 2 Corinthians, we're being made more and more like Him. That transformational growth. Are you becoming more like Him? Are you more like Him today than you were last Sunday? (laughs) So, this is what we're continuing in Galatians 5, by the way, and I am going to get through this in time. I already know we have another service and all that good stuff going on. I also know you're off work tomorrow, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Uh, anyway I don't want you to know man some people say it's a long service no it's not read the book of Acts Paul preached all night alright all night yeah alright anyway you're welcome so we look at the scriptures here so we look at what the Holy Spirit produces in the word of God and, and what is called the fruit of the spirit in our lives God does this work in us, and then it goes on, and we're going to continue reading there. So I'm sorry I keep breaking, but man, it's just amazing stuff. So here it is. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Man, is that awesome. You remember earlier, he was talking about how the flesh wars against the Spirit and it calls us into that sinful, broken behaviors and that, that nonsense that we used to be part of, that the world puts forth as the answer to life. The Word of God now tells us as, as we continue down through there saying there's this, there's this dividing point. You know, early in your Christian life, 
that war rages hard. You sense it. You feel it because there's this pulling towards the old life to the new. But as you walk with God, you're being made more like Jesus. The pull of the world should grow less. And the draw of the Spirit should grow stronger. That happens through our surrender. As the Word of God is talking about this and telling us, see, we recognize that I have to crucify my flesh. Those things that come into our mind to call us back. Lord, that is not who I am. That is not who I am. You've set me free. We declare that truth in Jesus Christ. I am not that person that I used to be. I don't live that way. I don't do those things. I am not that guy. And I declare that. And by doing that, I'm giving that to God because I've already repented. Jesus Christ has paid the price for that sin. It's nailed to the cross. I allow that sin to be taken by Christ through my surrender. And I live in the freedom that the Spirit of God brings to me. I am not that guy. Church, the Word of God tells us that we are free. Come on. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Social media? Amen. Every part of our lives. Relationships with the opposite sex. Relationship with the same sex. Relationship with family. My job, the government, schools. You name it in every part of our lives. There is no place where we just kind of close the door and do our thing. No. The Spirit in every part of our life. Yeah, Romans 6. Let me read this to you. Well then... Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Right? We've died to it because we crucified it there with Christ. Because when we came to Christ, He paid the price for our sin. Death has been met. Sin has been conquered. Jesus Christ has taken it from us. So now I'm no longer a slave to that old life. I have been set free from Christ. This is what it tells us. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined Him in His death? Right? We have the baptism. That's why we do baptisms after you're saved because you've come to Christ, been forgiven of your sin. You're baptized with Him. It's like the old life is buried with Christ. We come up clean and new. A brand new creation in God. And the Word of God says this, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. New lives by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, church. That amazing presence of God that is so real. I'm going to run out of time, so we need to move. So we sing songs about that, right? I mean, y'all, we sing a lot of songs, and they have great messages and stuff. I pray that they just sink into us. There's a couple songs out there that talk about the same power that raised Christ in the grave lives in me, right? The presence of God. Yahweh. See, that power is the presence of the living God. And we have to learn to live by the power of the Spirit and not the power of the flesh. 
That's what we're learning, is to surrender to who God is in my life. I'm not God. He is. See, our, our old way of living was self, you know? The new way of living is God. Therefore, we surrender to what he's saying to us. This is why we're being changed, made new, more like him, and all that stuff. Let's go back for a moment. We're almost done here. So Acts 1, he replied, listen, this is Jesus talking again. We've been reading this several times. We always will, but just hear it. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, period. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So I want us to see this because there's two statements being made here by Jesus. You will receive power and you'll be my witness. Oftentimes we connect those because that word and is there. And we see it power to be his witness. Now, yes, we are given power to be his witness, but we've been given power and to be his witness. When Jesus ascended, see, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he he came to the disciples, and this is what he said, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. This is Jesus. What he was declaring to us is that I've won it all. I have it all. I am the one and only. Now Jesus tells us, like, just wait for the power. The power of God, the promise of the Father, the indwelling Holy Spirit. Therefore, what Jesus is telling us is, we possess the power of the living God. This is why I said early on, I think we're living way low to what God has called us into. We're allowing our flesh to dictate our addictions, our sinful nature's habits and we're stepping over into that world on a regular basis and God's like, what are you doing? His power lives in us. Crucify that stuff. Give it to Christ. Stand in the truth. Allow the power of God to work in your life and be who God died to make you. See, the only way you can live a new life is with the power of God doing it. Right? (laughs) Do you want to live new? Are you happy in those things you're doing or not doing out there in the world? They never brought us happiness. Why is it that we get tempted to do stuff that never worked in the first place? I I mean this respectfully, but we're pretty dumb. (laughs) We really are because we, we... keep getting drawn to do the old things when they're the things that caused us all the issues in the first place. God's called us into this new life. We don't need that stuff. You don't need it. Excuse me. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm on my action steps, just so you know. How is the Holy Spirit changing you right now to be more like Jesus? Where is it happening? Where is it happening, church? Seriously, think about it. Where is the Holy Spirit changing you to be more like Jesus? He is, or He's not. 
What is your flesh trying to get you to do that you used to do? What is your flesh trying to get you to do what you that you used to do? Church, you got to let the Holy Spirit just dwell right there, right there, and see the reason why the Holy Spirit brings that to the surface to us right there is so that we're like, oh yeah, I repent, God, I I give that to you, I give it to you, nail it to the cross. <laughs> How have you seen the fruit of the Spirit being lived out in your life this week? Who has seen that in you? Is it seen in you? See, it has to be. Because if the Holy Spirit dwells within and tells us in the Word of God that He is is producing this within us. See, it's not a, a measuring stick for me to look at myself. It's God producing something in me that the world may see the glory of God at work knowing that he's real with the light of the world right so like as God does this in us then there's obviously that there's the radiance of God that others will see and do see all right we're done stand with me this is what we call the altar and there's lots of reasons we call it that but the reason we do is so that we can present ourselves as living sacrifices before Almighty God. And if God is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit's confirming something that you need to surrender, trust Him in, ask Him for, do whatever He's telling you to do, you can come forward and do that. Please do. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, none of us could live a life worthy of You. (laughs) We know that. Lord, we pray today for every single person that's myself included as we hear this word that we take it in God that we surrender and trust and obey whatever it is that you're speaking to us about God for we desire to be more like Christ in every way God more like Christ God we give you this moment we give ourselves and in that process we give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray Amen Hey, don't leave if you're not ready to leave down here. You just stay with God and let Him do it. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. You're dismissed.